0: when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet And turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. His name was Alexander Severus.
1: He was the Roman emperor from 222 AD to 235 AD. He didn't actually profess to be a Christian, but he was very impressed by one of the things that Jesus taught. It was in the Bible reading that we had. It was what the kids' talk was based on. It was this verse, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Today we call that the golden rule. And the reason that we call it the golden rule is because of Alexander Severus. He was so impressed with this idea, this do unto others idea, that he had it written in gold on the palace wall in Rome. He wanted to wake up every day and be reminded that that was how he ought to live. The golden rule, hence golden, because he'd written it on that wall in gold. Now, before we get to the golden rule, which is at the end of the passage we're looking at this morning, uh, Jesus wants to talk about a few other issues, including uh, not being judgmental. There seems to be no shortage of judgmental people in our world today. You just need to really listen to AM talkback radio and you'll hear a load of judgmentalism coming out of there. Um, but people love to look down on other people, don't they? To think that they're not quite as good as them, that they haven't achieved the same social standing as them or that they don't have the same moral values that uh, that I possess. Judgmentalism can be as simple as judging someone by the clothes that they're wearing or the haircut that they have or judging them by where they're born. Judgmentalism is all around us and I dare say you see it at work pretty much every day. And I'm guessing that you might have even done your fair share of it as well. But in the opening of this section, Jesus says that his followers are not to be judgmental people. So look at what it says, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says that we are not to judge others. Now, we've got to make sure that we don't misunderstand what Jesus means by judge here. It's very clear from the context that what he means by do not judge is do not be judgmental. Jesus thinks that, that it's actually quite important for his disciples to judge, to make assessments on things, to be discerning. And in just a few verses from here, Jesus is going to say that we shouldn't throw pearls before pigs or dogs. That's going to require some judgment, some assessment on our part as to who the pigs and the dogs are. And a little further down, Jesus says that his disciples need to watch out for false prophets and false teachers well, that's going to require judgment and discernment on your part as well. What Jesus is criticizing here is that hypocritical style of judgment. And sadly, I think Christians can often be guilty of it. We can look down on people just because of their appearance or what we perceive them to be. We may even be tempted to look down on others even within our own church and be judgmental of them that they haven't attained our level of spiritual maturity, that they're not quite as godly as us, that they're not as committed or hard-working as I am. Now, make no mistake about it, that kind of thinking is judgmentalism. And Jesus says, stop it. Don't do that. As followers of Jesus, you should not be like that. And what makes judgmentalism so ultimately wrong and stupid is that it stems from a failure to understand just how gracious God has been to you when you didn't deserve it. Have a look at the illustration that Jesus uses. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, almost a ridiculous picture that he paints for us, starting in verse number three. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And it's just a ridiculous picture, isn't it? Someone walking down the street with a plank of wood sticking out of their eye. And then to make it even more stupid, that person then goes to somebody else and says, oh, I think you might have a speck of something in your eye. Stand still and let me get that for you. mean, it's just such a ludicrous image. If anyone has the perfect reason not to be judgmental, then it's got to be Christians, hasn't it? I mean, surely we should know how much it is that God has forgiven us, that God has actually dealt with the plank in our eye. Christians should be forgiving people, not judgmental people. They should be sympathetic people, not seeking to judge others. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying there is never a time to point out the wrong things that other people are doing. I I want people to help me to be godly. I want people to point out to me when I've done the wrong thing. But what Jesus is talking about... Like everything else in the Sermon on the Mount, it's actually about your attitude in doing it. It's not actually the action itself, it's the attitude that you have in doing it. What attitude do you have when you're dealing with others? Are you being judgmental? Are you being self-righteous? Are you being holier than thou? Because Jesus says, stop it. We need to be acting as people who understand God's mercy to us and we're therefore willing to reflect it to others. Now, straight after saying we're not to judge, Jesus says this in verse 6, "'Do not give dogs what is sacred. "'Do not throw your pearls to pigs. "'If you do, they may trample them under their feet "'and then turn and tear you to pieces.'" casting pearls before swine. It's an expression that's made it into our everyday language today. But it sounds a little bit judgmental, doesn't it? Just a smidge, perhaps? But the difference here is between judgmentalism and discernment. And and to get to the heart of what Jesus is saying, we actually need to figure out what the pearls are and who the pigs and and the dogs are. Now, I think the pearls part's pretty simple. I'm sure Jesus is talking about... The kingdom message that we've got. That's the pearls that we've got to share with other people. The good news about Jesus and the forgiveness and the life that he offers to us. But who are the pigs and the dogs? Well, I suppose the simple answer to that is, just from the verse, it's the people who don't want the pearls that we've got. The people who are going to trample those underfoot. People who are hostile to the gospel. So who do you think Jesus would have in mind when he says pigs and swine? Who do you think he sees as being those people? Sadly, we probably think that the pigs and the dogs would be the less desirable people in the society of that day. Shall we say the lowlifes, maybe the prostitutes and the drug dealers. I mean, surely that would be what Jesus means by pigs and dogs. Now, can I say that if you think that, you need to go back to the verses just before this about not being judgmental because Jesus wouldn't have all, wouldn't have at all meant that. Think about who the people were who were hostile to Jesus during his ministry. Who were the people who rejected his teaching? Who were the people who wanted to kill him? Well, it was the perfectly upright and respectable people in the community of the day. It was the pillars of the society who wanted Jesus dead. It was the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the the supposedly righteous people of the community who killed Jesus. And who is it that responds positively to Jesus' ministry? Well, surprise, surprise, it's the lowlifes. It's the outcasts. It's the undesirables of the society in that day. It's the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. And it can often be the same today. The people who can often be most hard-hearted to the gospel are the ones who think that they're doing just fine, that they don't need any help from anybody else, let alone Jesus. They will often be hostile to the idea that they need to be saved or forgiven because they're actually doing quite well all by themselves. I remember David Cook who, as uh, a Presbyterian minister, he was preaching at a church in one of the leafy suburbs on the north shore of Sydney and he was saying that everyone is sinful and that everyone needs to be forgiven. And as he was standing in the door greeting people as they made their way out of church, an elderly gentleman came up to, me, came up to him and said, how dare you tell me that I am sinful and need to be forgiven? You don't even know me. Well, I would have thought the Bible says that he's sinful and that that he needs to be forgiven. And often the people who are most responsive to the gospel are the ones who know that they need to be rescued, who know that they need to be forgiven. The point that Jesus is making here is that we shouldn't be wasting our time on people who are hostile to the message that we have to bring. Don't keep throwing pearls to people who've repeatedly made it clear that they want nothing to do with your message. Now, so far, Jesus has laid out some pretty big challenges in the Sermon on the Mount. Challenges about our attitude, challenges to make sure that our heart is right. Challenges in our attitudes about money, challenges about not being hypocrites when we pray or when we give to the poor, and now not being judgmental. Now, I don't know about you, but I can read through all of this and kind of feel this is all a bit beyond me. Like, I'm not sure that I can do this. And I think this is where verses 7 and 8 come in and why they're very important because this is what Jesus says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. In a way... These verses are the kind of beginning of the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus is now throwing it back onto his listeners and he's saying, do you really want this? Do you really want to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? Do you really want to live changed lives? Do you want to live out these kingdom values in your life? Because if you do, Jesus says, then ask. Seek. Knock. If you want what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount, God would love nothing more than to give it to you. If you want to be more serious in your relationship with God, then ask. That's what Jesus says. And your loving Heavenly Father, well, He wants what is best for you and He will willingly give it to you. And that's why he gives that little illustration there in verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then Jesus finishes this section with the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. There's a kind of a modern day translation of that one that says do unto others before they do unto you. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says that we are to do unto others what we would expect from them. We are to have God's heart for people, God's heart for others. Jesus says that we should treat others the way that we would want to be treated. It's a limitless kind of command, isn't it? I mean, it's something that applies to every single person that you come in contact with. In your home, uh, when you're standing at the checkout at Woolworths, even that annoying next door neighbour, this applies to them as well. And it's a command that you're not just to do once, it's an attitude that you're to have all the time. And amazingly, Jesus says that it actually sums up the whole Old Testament. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But do you know the thing that stands out for me in this section? It's that bit about judgmentalism. See, because I know that I often am judgmental, And to make matters worse, I know that I shouldn't be judgmental. I mean, it generally only happens in my mind. It's only things that I think. I don't say anything or act on it. But the sad thing is it happens all too often. There will be people that I will make an assessment of just on the basis of the way that they're dressed or the way that they look. There will be people who I will somehow think that I am better than for no good reason. There's a spirit of judgmentalism and I'm, I'm going to guess that it might be there with a, one or two other people here as well. I had a friend when we lived up on the north coast, his name was Warren. Devoted husband and father and just a really nice guy. But if you met Warren, I'm not sure what would be the first thing that you'd notice about him. Could be the tattoos all the way up and down his arms It could be all of the earrings that he had in his ears or or the big long ponytail that he had. It would probably be one of those three things. His mother was a very keen Christian and every time he went to visit his mum up in the Blue Mountains, she would invite him to go to church and he'd always politely decline the offer. But he was visiting her one time and he said yes, he decided he'd go. So they got to church early because his mum had a couple of people that she needed to see and talk to before church. So he went into the church and sat down. To begin with, he was almost the only person there. But gradually more and more people came in and no one spoke to him. And more and more people arrived. And then he could hear the whispers at the back of the church. He wasn't exactly sure what they were saying, but he knew that they were talking about him. And eventually Warren's mum came back over and sat down next to him and everyone realised who this was, that it's Mrs Brown's son. And so a few people came over and politely introduced themselves. But Warren told me this story because I'd invited him to come to our church and he said to me, can I tell you the story about why I don't want to go to a church? And he told me that story. It made a big impact on him. He was pretty stunned that Christians could be that judgmental. He was pretty surprised that they weren't willing to welcome him just because of the way that he looked. And it made a big impact on Warren. But it makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, what kind of reception would he get if he walked in the door now? Or if he came over to morning tea in the hall afterwards? What attitude would we have towards him? Would we be judging him because of his appearance? Would we be treating him differently? And again, this has got to be where that golden rule comes in, doesn't it? Jesus wants us to treat others in exactly the same way that we hope others would treat and see us.